Welcome and thank you for tuning in to Modern Aged Middle Life, a podcast brought to you by Emily Baum and Graham Jarvis, comedy writers addressing modern day confusions for the middle aged. Graham. Hello. What's your name again? Yeah, exactly. What day of the week is it? What did I come in here for? Um, this is what lockdown is doing to our brains, Graham. We've lost the will to live. Today might be uh, the weekend. Oh, I don't know. It all blurs. Is that a day? What's the difference between the weekend and a weekday now? What are we on now? Week 704 of lockdown. Uh, it feels like it. Oh, we're all no longer allowed to touch each other. We're all out of practice of having proper conversations because we're not used to it. So we forget half of what we wanted to say. What were you going to say, Graham? I wish I'd invested in rulers and things like that. You know, those tape measure things that come out, expand yeah. and go in, so that people will know to keep the two metres and then the one metre rule. So I bet the firm that makes those tape measures has been selling lots of them. Or do you think perhaps people aren't bothered? Oh, I don't know. I don't think some of them are bothered. They're not, no. They're not, no. Starting from this weekend, we're now able to create our social bubbles. So, I mean, we were yes. ahead of the time with Bubbledom. We could have had a whole underworld village that was two metres apart yeah. under the sea and it could have gone on forever and ever and ever because we had space. But now, no. And I was making custom bubbles, millimetre accuracy, so that you knew you were definitely one metre, two metres apart. And in fact, I've got a couple of friends I made a three and a half metre bubble for. It's a bathing <laughs> thing they've got not going on. So... I was feeling a bit down this week, Graham. Oh. I was feeling very fed up. I wanted to have a haircut. Yeah. I wanted to have a pint in the pub. I wanted to go and hang out with friends and leave my family for a bit. You know, I was just generally <laughs> feeling fed up. So do you know what I did, Graham? Yeah. Do you know what I did? I've no idea. Why don't you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> your, your face. I wish people could watch this video. He looks really frightened. <laughs> He's really scared. What did you do? Punch a puppy in the face, Emily. What did you do this week? So <laughs> I got so desperate at my lowest ebb, Graham, that I Googled the phrase, cheer me up. <laughs> okay. That's how desperate I got. <laughs> Hello. That does sound desperate. And I found this list. It's just basically a nonsensical nonsense website that's full of nonsense from other nonsensical people all in one place. But it's quite entertaining and it passes the time, Graham. Okay. So I've shared this with you, so I thought we'd go through some of these bits and pieces that are based on trying to cheer people up, and then I thought we would be able to cheer each other up. Not that I think you're feeling down the dumps, but you might be by the time you've no, heard some of these. I'm feeling on top of the world. <laughs> I would break into song at this point, but for copyright reasons, I'm not allowed to. And I also thought some of our listeners might be feeling a little bit down in the dumps, and not because they've been listening to our podcast, Graham, just because they're stuck in lockdown as well. So I thought we could share uh, some of this with them. What do you think? Well, it's a shame that I couldn't sing that On Top of the World song because probably there'd be a lot more of them needing cheering up. When you really think about the history of the Carpenters and the fact that Karen died from anorexia, I find it very difficult to identify with that song anymore. Yes. Mind you, when I first heard about anorexia, I thought it was actually a hero in one of those old novels, you know, Wuthering Heights or something. <laughs> it was a long time before I knew it was actually an ailment. <laughs> an ailment. Can you imagine? <laughs> Her heaving bosom got very excited at the thought of Mr Anorexia popping over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Lord Snide was having the affair with anorexia <laughs> of Woobledon Manor or whatever. <laughs> Okay, so 
So shall I start with the first cheer you up fact? You kick off with the first cheer me up fact. Okay, please try and sound excited, Graham. <laughs> yeah, I'm worried because I was so happy at the start up. of this podcast. <laughs> the only way is down, as the song goes. <laughs> so this was the first thing that's supposed to cheer you up. Okay. For a brief moment in time. Okay. You were a moment in someone's life, a mere extra passing through their thoughts in milliseconds. But milliseconds of their story, nonetheless, for every person you've exchanged eye contact with, you have made a contribution to their existence, be it significant or not. That's quite deep. That's deep, yeah. I that's thought we were deep. trying to cheer people up. Well, I know, that is the quite deep. That, that's quite, yeah. yeah. Come back. They've gone all gone to make a cup of tea now. And then and you're sh- thinking about how many people have you stared out <laughs> over the yeah, years my... that you've, you've now had an impact on. How many people have you dirty looks to over the garden fence? My friend Linda listens to this podcast while she's out walking. I can imagine now she's really going at a trot. She's covering her eyes. Let me get back home. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. She's frightened. She doesn't want to latch eyes and get direct eye contact with somebody else because it can be quite intimidating. Can I speak personally to Linda just for a yeah, moment? Please do. Linda, what I suggest is don't look at people... Don't blink at people. I'd try a sort of a Morse code blinking. Perhaps left one, three dots, and then a slower blink on the right. And you can say things like, hello, don't mean any offence in Morse code. Using your eyes. Yeah, with the blink, 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 blink. You could even do SOS for those times when perhaps you've been in an accident, you can't talk. We've got a new communication going here, Emily. Chat by eyeballs. Yeah, well, yeah, well by their eyelids. <laughs> Obviously, you've still got to have your eyelids after the horrific accident you've been in. But we're trying to cheer people up, so we I'm not going to mention any more about up. that. Well, I thought yeah. Linda could do a comedy cross-eye when she comes across, you know, people just to try and cheer that them up. That is spooky. You must be psychic, because Linda's known to her friends as exactly that, comedy cross-eye. <laughs> People don't mention it usually because, obviously, when you're born like that, it's cruel. I want a nickname like that. Yeah, she's got no problem with it. That would be a great rapper night. You know you've got Left Eye Lopez. You could be comedy cross Eye. Left Eye Lopez. Yeah, Left Eye Lopez is a Why rapper. Why was he or she called it's that? she. God knows. <laughs> Did you ever think that duet was actually some distortion of a French word when you were at school? No. Duet, uh, cochon or something, people might say to me. (laughs) A a duet of pigs? (laughs) Yes. Be nice, really. (laughs) That'd be lovely. Imagine them. A duet of pigs. I don't know, but they're probably <laughs> yeah, they're probably they're probably snorting and snuffling away, looking for something in the mud, enjoying themselves. And nothing wrong with a couple of pigs. Duetting. <laughs> Duet. Well, oh, sorry, I was rubbish at languages. Let's reel you back in. Do you want to do the next one? Do you want to do the next? Cheer yourself up. Okay, I love this one. If you were to take a live sea sponge, blend it, and leave it as a sea smoothie to sit overnight. When you wake up in the morning, you'd find that the surviving sea sponge cells have found each other and started to reform a new sea sponge, even bigger and better. And I know this is true. I come from Grimsby. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) And down the coast from Grimsby is Cleethorpes. And in Cleethorpes, they have sea sponges. And so in my bath time when I was a child, I used to have a favourite sea sponge. And it wasn't till my mid 
mid-twenties when a girlfriend said, what's that? And the sea sponge was now filling the bath. I'd taken fun in smashing it to bits and it had reformed, smash it to bits, reform. And she declined having a bath with me. Well, it wasn't so much a bath with water. It was obviously just more of a duvet over you as you got into the bath. And Peter, the sea sponge, used to love us getting in the... When I say us, it's a northern way of saying me. Loved the idea <laughs> of me getting into the bath with him. But my girlfriend, no, no way. So no. poor Peter was released back into the North Sea. I occasionally go to the beach and I'll just give a wail of, Peter! Sometimes I'll see a glimmer of something, but it's just a crisp bag floating on the surface. I have many questions about this fact, none of yeah. which have anything to do with your story of Peter. I have questions about your mental health because of that story. But the other bits, no. <laughs> He'd turn the tap on for me, make sure it was just a nice temperature. <laughs> this fact is supposed to cheer people up, yet it starts by blending a living creature, yeah. which I find but a little bit... Destroy... Who found this out? They had to go and get their nutritional ninja out and purify a sponge. The first person was obviously Mr Nasty, but the people after that, knowing that it's doing them a favour, that they'll find it, are probably being kind. You imagine the original sea sponge has got an itch. Can't get rid of it because they ain't got a hand to scratch the back. So once you blenderize them, they can rearrange themselves to get rid of that itch. Perhaps make the itchy bit round the front where it's easier for them to scratch. I quite like the idea that the surviving cells find each other because that sounds quite romantic. It is romantic. So I can imagine people light up the blender with different coloured lights, perhaps put a few candles out, and have a romantic meal watching now and then. Oh, look at that. That's lovely. You know, what a way to spend an evening in lockdown. <laughs> watching your sponge reconnect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could phone up the Samaritans. My sponge is reconnecting. Just to let them know you're out of danger. Moving on. All right. And some of these I don't think we should read out because some of them didn't remotely cheer me up. Okay. Like you were once the youngest person in the whole universe. Well, I can't have been. Okay. It must have been me and several other people because there's billions and billions of people in the universe. So that doesn't make any sense. And the word no. sons is written the same way upside down. Yeah. Great. That doesn't exactly fill me with joy. No. What I did quite like was that there's a spooky skeleton inside of you. That made me smile. I like the idea of that. What, that you've got a skeleton inside of you? No, that there's a spooky skeleton inside of you because the skeleton is like the, the symbol of fear, isn't it? It's it's Halloween. It's that thing in the doctor's office that makes you feel slightly nervous before he puts his rubber gloves on. But actually, when someone turns the light back <laughs> on you and says, what's in your doctor's office is already inside you, and by that I don't mean the rubber glove, I mean the skeleton, then it changes that thinking. I thought that was quite fun. This is terrible. When I was about 10, I used to love getting Superman and Batman comics. And on the back page, there were always little adverts, but sadly, you had to send away to America for them, so it's well out of my reach. Mm. There'd be adverts for things like glow-in-the-dark skeletons. Yeah. So skeletons, to me, have been desirable objects. As I grew older, still didn't become spooky, I still wanted a full-size skeleton so that I could get rid of coat hangers. Try to get a coat hanger off a rail, they get caught up in other coat hangers, and you end up just ripping the whole lot out and throwing them on the floor and screaming, I need a skeleton. Well, what were you going to do with the skeleton to replace the coat hangers? I'm confused. Well, put my coat on it. Put my trousers on it so I don't have to hang them up. So you would have a skeleton in your wardrobe to put multiple pairs of trousers on? No, I'd have a set of skeletons, one pair each. Oh, I'm sorry. For goodness there sake, was, Emily. There was me being ridiculous with your one skeleton. You'd have a whole set. 
You'd have a family. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and if I ever have a mould done on my teeth for whatever reason, I can leave the imprints with a skeleton and date it. I can say, look, this was me 20 years ago. Can you remember those teeth? And look at these teeth, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, you choose a fact. Choose the next fact. Okay. I love this idea that a group of bunnies, wild rabbits, is called a fluffle. Oh, I love a fluffle. Once, though, I was in a house where they loved taxidermy and they got loads and loads of animals. You're talking hundreds. And at one point, to get through to have a cup of coffee, you had to squeeze between stuffed animals. Oh. And the first shock was that one of the parrots they'd got wasn't a stuffed parrot. So it moved, and I, I nearly had a heart attack. A little while later, went to the toilet. As I'm there weeing away, I noticed something in the corner of my eye move. And the two rabbits, which I thought were again taxidermied, were actually two live, happy rabbits. Living in their own little fluffle. Isn't that beautiful? Oh. And did you know the word crepuscular? Oh, my Lord. I found that not a lot of people know this word. Crepuscular. Go on, then. It means if you're crepuscular, and I think you are a little bit, Emily, actually, knowing <laughs> you as I do, if you're crepuscular, it means you're most active at dusk and dawn. So probably just, you know, at dusk when you're getting up and dawn when you're going to bed, I imagine. That's your <laughs> crepuscular. Yeah. Can I tell you, right? You heard it here. Because you gave me that fact... Right, and that took up valuable minutes mm -hmm. of my life. Um, I'm now going to okay. tell you my taxidermy joke. So, I went to a dinner last night with my amateur taxidermy club. I'm still stuffed. <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> the act of holding your arms above your head with clenched fists will make you feel more powerful, especially if you do it in a queue on your way into a supermarket. <laughs> 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 It'll certainly get people moving out of the way. Do you think do you think holding your arms above your head with clenched fists would make you feel more powerful? No, I know there's the Peter Pan pose where you put your hands on your hips and you're supposed to stand in the toilet before you have a big meeting to build up your confidence. But I'm not sure. And how does that fact cheer you up? That's actually people surrender. That's an act of surrender. You yeah. put your hands up to show you nothing. I mean, that means you're sort of saying, do whatever you like, not powerful. Please don't shoot. Yeah. <laughs> so I, but I don't see that that's a fact that wants to cheer me up either. No, I don't think that's a cheery up fact. And no. that's rubbish. I liked this fact because it actually did warm my heart, my dead, oh. blackened heart. <laughs> <laughs> the man who does Winnie the Pooh's voice spends some of his spare time ringing up children, which if there was a full stop on that sentence just about there, we'd all be really worried. But it goes on. The man who does Winnie the Pooh's voice spends some of his spare time ringing up children in the cancer wards of hospitals, putting on Winnie's oh. voice and telling them how much he loves them and how brave they are. Oh, that's sweet. I wonder if Tigger rang him up and said, ho, 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 you're doing really well. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, I love this fact. This is that rats, a lot of people don't like rats, but rats and mice... A lot of people don't like mice. Rats and mice are ticklish. How about that? Rats and mice are ticklish. How do you find out? People who keep rats and mice know this already. My grandmother used to breed mice. She used to have lots of trophies, big cups. Award-winning grandma, my grandma was, because she bred mice and they were top-quality mice. Now, I had a friend who had a pet rat and the pet rat was called Fred. I've also got a friend called Fred. And one day, Fred and I 
was staying at this friend's house and Fred fell asleep after a few beers on their sofa. And the rat, which was very intelligent, it was a house rat and it wandered around as it wanted to, got on the settee to explore this sleeping shape. And at one point, the person who owned Fred the rat didn't want it to tickle Fred the human's nose and she was concerned that if Fred woke up, he would be terrified seeing a rat just inches on his face. Sadly, she seemed to forget that my human friend was called Fred because she shouted to her rat, Fred, Fred, come away, Fred! At which point, of course, Fred woke up and screamed. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of questions there, and I feel every time... Every time you start a story today, I'm going to have many, many questions. And I feel the listeners are going to have... Linda, you're going to have to go around the block again, love. We've got more questions. Aren't all rats house rats? Because technically, they're going to make a home in your house if they can get in. No, no, some rats are outdoorsy types. A walker rat. Oh, that's fine. Oh, Tweed, okay. Sherlock Holmes hats, that sort of rat. Why yeah. was your grandmother breeding mice? And in what category did she win cups? Because there's not like a mice version of Crufts. There is. She'd go to shows where pictures were in. They all wore white lab coats peculiarly. <laughs> but they'd uh, be there holding up the little mice. Did she just work for Max Factor? Was she just testing on little mice? She was breeding the mice to put, put mascara on them. I always thought when I was young that Max Factor was some villain in a Bond film. That would be a good villain name, actually, wouldn't it? Then somebody wondered if I'd made that up. Uh, do you want to move on? We're going to have to put some canned laughter in today. <laughs> the end of my taxidermy <laughs> joke and the end of your makeup joke. We're going to have to get some canned laughter put in. I still have a lot of questions about this mice breeding programme that you were born into, but OK. She also bred guinea pigs. Again, why? She had a huge shed at the end of her garden. Yeah. And in there would be all of these guinea pigs and mice in sort of cages running around. She'd get them out and let them run around. Occasionally, one would escape and she'd say, Graham, will you just crawl under the shed and see if you can get Timmy back? She'd say, uh, oh, Peter's escaped. And I'd say, oh, I think that's a good name for a sponge, Granny. Did your grandma have mice called Mickey and Minnie? She must have done. No, I think most of them were called Peter. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just like crawling under the shed, really. <laughs> uh, moving on. My turn. If you have an unborn niece or nephew and you don't know their gender, they are your niefling. No. Really? I that. Have you checked that out? No, I haven't. I quite like the word, niefling. It's yeah. a bit like an elfling, but a niefling sounds like a bunged up fairy, doesn't it? <laughs> to me, it sounds like when you go to the doctor and he'll say, cross your leg and he'll tap you a little toffee hammer on your ankle or something and see if you get a niefling. No. So this next one, right, the official Space Jam website hasn't been changed since 1996. Now, do you remember the film Space Jam? Uh, no. No. Well, I do. Have you been watching The Last Dance on Netflix with Michael Jordan, about Michael Jordan's basketball career? Um, no. No. <laughs> been too busy playing with your rats and tickling them. It's brilliant. If you get a chance to watch it, it's really, really, really interesting and it's got me totally into basketball. So when I read this... I actually went online to check. And it's true, the official Space Jam website from 1996 is still up and live and unchanged. What's really interesting is if you think about websites today and the way that they look and feel and how we take it all for granted, and you look back at a 1996 website, it is so different. Really? Yeah, yeah. in a very cool way. You don't realise how 
how far we've come on things like web pages. And fonts. Yeah, I love a good font. <laughs> I was talking to the vicar about font design the other day. <laughs> Two metres apart, of course. Did you know that dolphins try to rescue humans who are drowning? I'm not going to mention Peter in this because I think he would have helped the dolphin if need be. The dolphins could lift the poor person onto this massive sponge which would just float ashore and be rescued by the other humans. It's as if they realise that we can't hold our breath and so they try and push you up and even try to bump you in the stomach to reanimate you. Dolphins are good, though. I love dolphins. I love dolphins. Yeah. I don't think I know anyone that doesn't love dolphins. They just come across as being, like, the coolest person you'd know. The only problem I've got with dolphins is yeah. those Australian programmes that had hero animals... Yeah. I can never remember the name of the hero dolphin and always want to call it Skippy. No, it's Flipper. I used to watch Flipper and Skippy and Lassie and all those sorts of things. And Flipper was cool to watch, but you did always sorts of thing. Well, what happens if there's an emergency inland? Flipper's of no use then, is he? <laughs> He's absolutely no use <laughs> it's, at all. It's like, what would you, <laughs> the only purpose he'd have in that particular scenario is to tell him the story after the event. Oh, <laughs> Flipper, you would have loved it. We had a bushfire. Skippy was all over it, all over it. We could have done with your help, mate, but no, you're useless. You're here bobbing along. <laughs> so I was just thinking, I know it's for whales, but what's a group of dolphins called? Isn't it a pod? Oh, no, that's whales. Yeah, I think it might be dolphins too. Mm. And it's funny because we're mentioning a pod in a podcast. I wonder if dolphins could do a podcast. And they're not really trying to rescue the human beings. They're just trying to see if they could bust in on their podcast. But if I thought I was drowning and a dolphin came up to me, I don't think my first reaction would be, oh, it's come to help me. I think I'd be thinking, oh, I can sense I'm dying. Yeah, if they started butting you in the stomach yeah. as you're going underwater. <laughs> oh, what a nice dolphin as you're flailing. What a wonderful way to die, being beaten to death by a fin. <laughs> yeah. Well, in fact, you always said that this podcast might be the death of you. <laughs> so perhaps you were looking into the future. You hadn't quite got the words focused. So again, I don't see that this is a fact that's necessarily going to cheer me up. Well, if you love dolphins, it might. Oh, I suppose so. I suppose thinking of dolphins helps to up your mood, doesn't it? I mean, they're all mammals, aren't they? If a whale tried it, though, that would be very scary, that... wouldn't it? If this 30-metre object came and butted you. <laughs> my stomach <laughs> or perhaps played with you like cats throw mice in the air don't they when yeah. they're playing with them killer whales do the same what? thing they throw seals up in the air to catch them and then eat them oh I was thinking they might do that with the human that this article <laughs> tries to say they're trying to rescue you flailing on top of the spout apparently whales have lifelong friends that they visit regularly really well apparently yeah. according to this cheer you up survey thing I think that you'll find they're called sea lions and they're not really lifelong friends. They're just lunch and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and here, I don't believe for this one, mm. uh, the act of smiling inadvertently improves your mood. Usually if I go into a room smiling, people say to me, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that awful? You know, that, but you go into a room <laughs> smiling, looking really pleased. And it's not just you, this happens to lots of people. You've just had the best news ever and someone says, what's wrong with you? Yeah. When did like... smiling become something that was wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, I don't you know, know. <laughs> you walk into a room with a face like a smacked backside and they go, all right, Graham. 
<laughs> you walk in with a smile, they're like, oh, he's terminally ill. Gee, see his face, there's something wrong. My grandma used to love me smiling, my grandma did, because she knew if I was giggling and grinning away, I had found her escaped mouse. What is that tail hanging from your mouth, Graham? I've told you before. Don't suck on Peter, he doesn't like it. Peter the sponge was a bit of a security blanket, so, you, you know. But, yeah. <laughs> Everyone else had imaginary friends. You had an imaginary sea sponge that lived in your bath called Peter. <laughs> yeah, apparently on the day of his assassination, so again, I don't see that that's cheering me up, Martin Luther King Jr. had a pillow fight in his hotel room. Again, that's not cheering me up. I'm not being cheered by that one. No, not, not at all. Although the next one's quite no. funny. I quite like that. Turtles, apparently, can breathe out of their butts. Really? Well, that's very American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure if they lived in England, they wouldn't. So they wouldn't many... breathe out of their bottoms. Again, so many questions. How do you find that fact out? Yeah. Do you hold a turtle's bottom and wait until it starts gasping for breath? I mean, there's all sorts no. of different things. That doesn't sound quite right to me. If that is true, nature developed that so that they could put a spurt on if they were being attacked. You know, if a shark's following you, you think, oh, I don't like that, and you'd become a jet-propelled turtle. What if it sneezes? <laughs> You're out of the water. You're probably joining me, flailing on top of the whale spout. <laughs> Modern Aged Middle Life was brought to you by Graham Jarvis and Emily Baum.